In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello, and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. My name is Ben Hall, and today we'll be discussing... Ben! Why are you doing the intro for my podcast? Well, you left the door unlocked. <laughs> I, uh, saw, I saw this cool mic, and well, you know, I know a few things here and there about audiovisual. I know this mm. is predominantly audio, but, uh, you know, I had to goof around a little. You, you saw an opportunity, and you took it. That's kind of my M.O. Is is our acting better than it was when we were kids? Is it worse? Is it stayed the same? Probably. It's a it's a it's an even it's an even line there. Yeah. Even keel. It's even keel. Yeah. I like that. Well, uh, hello everybody, and you might recognize Ben. You've been on the show what two or three times now? Yeah, a couple times. This is actually your third time, I think. Yeah. Congratulations! Right. You're now you. the most, uh, I guess, the second person that's been on the show the most besides me. So, yeah, welcome. You've been traveling across the country. Right? For the past month? I, I have, yes. I've gone from Los Angeles all the way uh, up to Chicago, Baltimore, Charlotte, Atlanta, now in Florida here with my friend Trevor. Hey, that's me. Old Panama City. Yeah, it's been fun, man. We we were, we were in Seaside today, hanging out, uh, walking around with the pups and the wives. Um, yeah, you know, it's the first time all of us have been together since we've all been married. You know, all of our wives. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's That's been a, a classic little line you've been throwing around there. <laughs> it's just so funny. Okay, so uh, today on the show, we are talking uh, with Legacy Greens, two people out from um, Tallahassee. It's Daniel and Jordan. And actually, our good friend Paul Hoff introduced me to these guys. So Paul's a huge fan of their microgreens, which uh, we've talked about this before. Paul was the first one of us to get married, to have a baby, and obviously the first one to get involved in microgreens. So would you ever have thought that with Paul? Paul Hoff's a renaissance man. There's no mm. other way to say it. Ron Burgundy learns how to be a man from Paul Hoff. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's right. kind of like a drop the mic moment. So yeah, <laughs> uh, Ben, I think you'll like this episode too. I think everybody will like it. Uh, Dan and Jordan started a microgreens company in Tallahassee. And they're going to tell us kind of like what microgreens are, what produce you can grow from it, like broccoli, kale, radish. And we had the purple radish one. It was actually kind of spicy, which I did not know. And also kind of the effects of COVID has had on their business, how they're doing direct to consumers um, in Tallahassee in their area. And if you want one, they're doing grow kits where you can grow your very own microgreens. It's pretty right cool. On. Do you have a yeah. green thumb? I've never asked you. Do you have a green thumb? I, you know, I, I want to say yes just to impress you and your followers, but I would be lying, and I you're, know that's not the, not you, the you right brown choice. Thumb. I have a brown thumb at best. <laughs> uh, my wife okay. has a bit of a green thumb, so oh, um, well, there you go. whenever we can get a little bit more uh, area to grow stuff in L.A., we'll uh, <laughs> take advantage. There you go. One day have a big old garden. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for hopping on again. The, the Farm Traveler podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for letting me kind of hijack for a moment here. You're, you're welcome. Next time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock the door so you can't get in. Sounds like a good idea. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, we're going to go back to playing Halo. 
um, and having fun, fun times, you know, chatting, chewing the fat. Is that what we do, Trevor? I Chew really don't fat? know. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, all right. Enjoy this episode with Daniel and Jordan of Legacy Greens. Um, I will have the link for everything in the description. Their website. Ben, you want to tell them what the website is? Sure, absolutely. If you'll move the cursor, oh, yeah, I can bad. tell you. It's legacy <laughs> it's legacy greens three, the number three dot com. Look at that. I'm so proud of you. All right, so enjoy this. I think this is episode one thirteen. Yeah, so enjoy it and we'll talk to you. Later. Enjoy the episode. Sweet. All right. Well, Daniel and Jordan from Legacy Greens. How are you guys doing? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. How about yourself? Doing well. No complaints. So my friend Paul, who has been on the show a couple of times, he introduced me to you guys and he talked and he raved and raved about your microgreens and all that stuff. And so he's the one that kind of connected us. And even we met at the farmer's market in Bluntstown a few weeks ago. So it was, it was, it was, it's always nice to like actually visit and get to meet a guest. So it's kind of cool. I'm excited to chat with you guys about your whole greens and all that stuff. So, sounds good, man. Yeah. It was nice meeting you at the, at the farmer's market. And uh, yeah, Paul has, Paul has uh, visited our booth several times since we've been vending out at that uh, Bluntstown farmer's market. And that's been a great, great farmer's market for us. So we're happy to be there. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about kind of your background and how you guys got started doing microgreens. Want me to start? Go ahead, Jordan. So, uh, so yeah, this is Jordan here. So our my background, um, essentially, I am a Florida State alumni. I graduated with a degree in environmental science and a minor in biology. Um, kind of always had a bit of a green thumb. Uh, picked it up from my, my grandfather. Uh, he always had, uh, growing up in his house, he always had a yard full of plants, very much of a small farm, if you will. Um, you know, he was really big on Moringa. He had his mango trees. He had all sorts of herbs growing in the backyard. And just growing up as a kid, uh, those memories really stuck with me. And, um, you know, as, as I was going through high school and getting ready for college, uh, I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do as a career and with the rest of my life. And, you know, typically in that point of uh, point in time, uh, you're starting to explore different uh, things, uh, substances. And uh, I kind of came to the, the conclusion that I wanted to be a, uh, a, a legal uh, cannabis grower. I wanted to be a master grower. I saw those memes uh, that said, oh, a master grower making $100,000 a year. And I'm like, heck, uh, why can't I do that? Yeah, it was around that time when I decided that's when I kind of started diving deep into actual cultivation experience. That's kind of why I decided to study environmental science and biology at Florida State as I wanted to become a, a legal cannabis farmer. Um, and then around my senior year of college, actually my junior year of college, um, it was right around the time that Florida had passed its medical marijuana bill and the very first licenses had started to kind of pop up and get under underway. And um, being that I'm here, I was living in Tallahassee, going to Florida State, and truly, um, truly cultivation facility is based out of Quincy, Florida, which is just about 20 miles west of Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. And uh, oddly enough, my father was actually the first one who, who brought it up to me like, hey, man. There's a cannabis company starting up in Quincy. You should go work for them. And um, as soon as uh, as soon as he told me that, I, I put together my resume and I, I literally just started calling them every single day. I went and knocked on the door. I sent out emails, um, and it got to the point where I finally got one of the one of the owners, George Hackman Senior, on the phone. Um, pretty much told him I'd scrub toilets for free for him if he'd let me. Uh, <laughs> whatever I could do to get my foot in the door there. And uh, the next thing I knew, he put me in contact with his son, who was managing the cultivation at the time. Um, and like about a week later, I was over there for an interview. Um, and that's kind of how all that got started with my, my indoor cultivation experience. Um, and it just so happens that I was actually one of the very, one of the very first kind of entry-level employees that truly uh, hired. I was employee number six. Um, and kind of one through five were the CEO, the COO, the CFO, the head of security, 
Um, and I think our head of marketing were the first five employees and then there was me. Um, so I kind of jumped into a pretty unique situation and, and was fortunate enough to be a part of, uh, of the true leave expansion in, in Florida. Um, and so once I did start working for them, I, I did have some cannabis experience. I took a, a medical marijuana cultivation course. Um, and so, you know, we, it came time to start cutting clones for the facility and nobody there knew how to cut clones except for me. And so that was my first promotion. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, and, Hey, there you go. Yeah. Long story short, I, I ended up working my way up to management management position there, managing about a hundred thousand square foot, uh, indoor cultivation facility for them. Um, had about a hundred employees I was responsible for and, and, uh, had to kind of keep tabs on. Um, and I was actually the site manager, making sure that the, the grow and the SOPs have been followed. And, um, I had to kind of update and design irrigation systems. I had to make sure our growers were growing the best product they could. And so that was really a, a crash course for me on indoor cultivation. And also just growing in a, a GAP certified uh, facility, uh, GAP meaning, you know, uh, good agricultural practices. Um, and so uh, it came to a certain point where, you know, I was only 23, 24 years old, you know, doing this kind of crazy job for somebody my age. And, um, you know, truly just kind of kept expanding and kept expanding. And I kind of made a personal decision to kind of take some time off and do some traveling um, you know, as, I've, as young as I was, I still haven't gotten to do it much traveling on my own. And so, you know, I decided to take it some time and to, for myself. And I actually did a, a little cross country road trip where I spent some time in Yellowstone, um, which was very exciting. Um, but shortly after that, on my way home, um, was kind of when the pandemic kind of started. Um, and, um, at the time, at that time I had gotten a job as a, a sales rep and consultant selling, uh, grow equipment to other cannabis companies across the country. Um, so I kind of further got to grind my teeth on the growing, uh, process and, and, and knowledge. Um, and you know, the thing is that just during the pandemic, the job really slowed down quite a bit. Um, you know, I was working maybe 10 or 20 hours a week and kind of sitting on my butt the rest of the time. And um, I've always kind of wanted to start my own farm. You know, when, uh, when this whole idea kind of popped up, we were even looking at plots of land in Oregon and Texas, all over the place of where we could start a kind of a hostel, a farm, uh, somewhere where we could just grow food. And, um, and that was also kind of something that was happening for myself personally. I was kind of wanting to switch from cannabis production to food production. Um, particularly indoors. I felt I had all the knowledge and experience to grow food in an indoor setting. Um, I mean, if I could do it for cannabis, why couldn't I do it for food? Um, and also it's just ex extremely rewarding. I mean, growing, growing a crop and, and having it bring value to, to many people's lives was, was very rewarding and, and exciting idea for me. Um, and, you know, just during that time of the pandemic, just doing a lot of YouTube surfing and, and watching videos, I kind of stumbled upon microgreens. And um, I thought this was the perfect introduction um, into food production. Um, it was very low entry to barrier, didn't really cost a whole lot of money. All the materials uh, were readily available and I could have my first crop ready to sell uh, relatively quickly within one or two weeks. Um, and aside from that, it also just happens to be a kind of a very much of an emerging niche. Um, even throughout the pandemic, a lot of chefs and a lot of restaurants were um, that could use them, you know, were, were interested in them. Even people at home uh, for kind of home deliveries were interested in microgreens, um, you know, mainly for their nutritional value. And so that's kind of when, how it all got started, you know. Um, Around that time, Daniel was kind of also looking for, for something to do, and I'll let him kind of share his background, but he was looking for something to do, and I asked him if he'd be interested in helping me out in this little undertaking, and, and uh, he was all about it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my background. That's why, that's why Legacy Greens got started. Um, Daniel, you want to go ahead and tell him a little bit about your background? Yeah, I, um, I definitely do not have a green thumb. Um, <laughs> my, my background is actually, I, I studied mechanical, uh, excuse me, mechanical engineering at Florida State University down in Miami, <laughs> Florida International University down in Miami. 
Um, it's been a long day. We've been working hard over here. Sorry. Oh, I bet. No worries. <laughs> but uh, no, I studied mechanical engineering at uh, Florida International University down in Miami. And uh, after graduating, I, I picked up a job selling industrial automation equipment, um, essentially ro robot brains, really big, complicated pieces of equipment uh, that you'll primarily find in a manufacturing space. Um, okay. And I was working for this company, Rockwell Automation, and uh, they actually shipped me out to, to Salt Lake City. And I was essentially an account manager for the company uh, selling this, selling these uh, systems and equipment and what have you. And uh, that was the time that Jordan was on his road trip and uh, we he met up with me in Utah. And that's kind of where the whole farm thing conversation started and the whole idea and uh, once we once we kind of developed the idea of the microgreens and we did our market research here in Tallahassee, we found there was, you know, not a lot of people doing it. Um, it was, you know, I th we thought that the, the college crowd was would be a good crowd for it. Um, the Tallahassee community is very supportive of small local businesses and small local farms. Um, and we said, you know what, let's, let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot and let's try this out. You know, and, and when Jordan called me and said, Hey, I found these things called microgreens. I'm like, what, what, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> what are microgreens? <laughs> yeah. What are microgreens? And he essentially, he essentially said, Hey, listen, you know, I, I can totally grow these things. Can you sell them? And I said, absolutely. I can sell you a rock if you wanted to. Um, I, I myself have had several small businesses, um, as I've, you know, while I was studying in school, I was uh, selling coils for vape devices. Uh, I would hand make coils and I would sell them. I would sell them to different uh, vape shops around town in Miami. Um, so I was I'm very proficient in social media, marketing, uh, newsletters, you know, Facebook, Instagram. So I do all that stuff. And I am not. Yeah, Jordan I am is very jo much not. <laughs> Jordan does not let me in the grow room. It is locked 24-7. And when I go in there, I get yelled at. Yes. Um, but uh, he essentially, he Jordan, Jordan manages the entire grow operation from scheduling to harvesting to packaging. to. I design the labels, but Jordan does label the packages. Um, and so Jordan takes care of everything grow related. And, and then I just do all the, I pretty much do the farmer's markets. That's why you saw me out in Bluntstown. Um, I'm essentially the account manager for the company. I take care of all of our customers. I'm the point of contact. Um, and, and that's been a really great, um, a really, it's been really great for our business because Jordan gets to focus on growing all sorts of new varieties. Uh, we're doing edible flowers now too. Um, that have really taken off with the restaurants and the bars around town. Um, we have added to our, our offering of microgreens. So essentially we started out with, what was it? Seven or eight core microgreens, six, six. six varieties, really sunflower, peas, radish, broccoli, cabbage, and a salad mix. Right. Right. Um, we're the ones we started with and we've since about doubled, um, our, our selection at this point with, with more new stuff on the way. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, like, like Daniel said, I mean, just, just the fact that we've been able to kind of rely on each other and split the, uh, the burden of, of running a business. Um, you know, like you said, I've been able to really focus on the quality of the product, getting it packaged. You know, I don't think we've yet to have an order that's come in that we just haven't had the product to knock on wood. <laughs> But, uh, but again, I mean, it's, it's, you know, running a small business that we've learned is, is quite, uh, quite an undertaking. There's 101 different things and different hats you have to wear. And, uh, and us, you know, having each other to, to rely on has been a, a huge help for us getting us to where we are today. Um, and what we're, we're right on our, our one year anniversary, right? Yeah. Coming up on July. Oh, cool. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so that's exciting for us. But, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about about our background and, and why we started it. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so. Well, it sounds like you both kind of complement each other well. And so, Jordan, what's the hardest part about growing? And then, Daniel, what, what's the hardest part about selling for you? <laughs> the hardest part about growing? It's um, keeping me out of the grow room. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but I mean, really, it's, it's probably just maintaining, you know, we grow everything indoors. We grow all of our, our greens. Actually, right now, they're, literally, they're all growing in our guest bedroom of our house. Um, but the trickiest thing has probably just been getting the environment kind of dialed in. Um, you know, at first, we didn't really have the proper AC we needed. Um, and also, as we've expanded, you know, we started with one rack, and then we went to two, and then we went to four. And, uh, you know, when we had one or two racks, uh, the AC in the house was fine, but as soon as we got to four, we kind of had a little bit of a learning curve and had to get the environment under control. Um, so that was kind of one of the first things is just really getting everything dialed in in that in our little grow room here at the house. Um, and secondly, you know, what's what I almost really enjoy about growing food, what I've come to learn is, in my experience growing cannabis, it's a fairly straightforward crop. Um, I mean, yes, there's a lot of different varieties and strains. But they all pretty much kind of follow the same guidelines for growing. Um, whereas when it comes to food and all these different, you know, there are thousands of different, you know, uh, varieties of crops you can grow. Every single one has their own little nuance. They have their own little tips and tricks that you kind of need to do. And if you don't do them, they won't quite come out as nicely as you'd like them to. Um, some are very easy. Some are a little bit trickier. Um, some as you know you do a little you know you soak a seed for four hours instead of six hours and it makes all the difference um so it's just been really learning those little tips and tricks uh you know from a, from a lot of the other experienced growers in this industry um and also just through trial and error um that's probably been the, the, the most challenging thing um and then you know as we get you know i even tell daniel you know whenever we get a new variety of seeds you know, expected to take at least two to three months before I really have it dialed in and, and comfortable to a point where we're ready to take it to markets. Um, and that, that is the hard part for Daniel. Yeah, I, know, they're grown, I need them ready in a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Uh, but yeah, those are, pro those are probably the more challenging things is learning all the nuances of, of each individual variety and kind of coming up with systems to make sure that you're following those little tips and tricks every single time. And yeah, from a, as far as from a sales standpoint, um, first of all, it's just the background knowledge. So like, you know, first of all, what are microgreens, right? Like I, like I said, I had no idea what they were um, about a year, a year ago when we first started talking about this. And microgreens are essentially the little seedlings of vegetables and herbs. Okay. Um, and the reason we are growing and consuming these little greens is that they're actually loaded with nutrients at this stage. Um, they are not sprouts. Okay. A lot of people are always like, oh, they're sprouts. I'm like, no, they're not sprouts. Uh, one of the biggest differences between sprouts and microgreens is that sprouts are actually grown and germinated, for example, in a mason jar or in a large commercial facility. It would be in a large vat of water, right? And essentially you throw the seeds in this water, the seeds germinate, and that's it. You drain the water out and that's what you sell as a sprout. So you're consuming the the root and the shoot. So right. That, that's really the big difference. Is sprouts have the entire it's the entire plant, including the root system. Correct. Um, the microgreens we essentially cut from the soil up, so it's just the the, the greens up on top. Right. Right. And we do grow all of our micros in soil, so we're not doing any sprouting. We actually the seeds germinate. Um, the first set of leaves that you get are the condyledons, and then that's actually what you're eating the microgreen stage. Um, and explaining that to customers, um, has been a bit of a challenge, especially here in Tallahassee is very meat and potatoes kind of community. Um, but they are starting once I ex kind of give them the explanation and I'm like, here, try one, you know, for example, our sunflower, mm -hmm. for example, our sunflower microgreens are by far one of our most popular varieties. Um, we're selling anywhere from 10 to 15 pounds a week of sunflower. Um, and it's just like, it's so crunchy. It's so, it's got such a nice little nutty flavor to it. Um, and it's loaded with protein. It's very high in calcium and iron. Um, and when people eat them, they're like, holy cow, this is amazing. And they have no idea. I'm like, yeah, that would eventually be a beautiful yellow sunflower. Um, and they're like, no way, you know? And they're like, I'm going to start eating, growing my sunflower seeds and just eating them. I'm like, yeah, you can do that. 
Um, and we actually, you know, one of the spinoffs from, from, from growing the microgreens is people at the farmer's market started asking us for these little grow kits. You know, they're like, I want to grow them myself. And there goes a new product, right? We, we put a, a cocoa choir puck, a mist bottle, some seeds and instructions in, in one of our deli containers that we normally put our microgreens in. And now we're, we're selling grow kits, you know, and it's, uh, you know, just from one customer asking us that, you know, we can several different ways to, to sell the products, you know, and it's, it's an, it's a great little fun activity. And, um, you know, that's, that's, it's just crazy where, where the business takes you, you know? Um, oh yeah, absolutely. I bet. And I, I mean, just looking at your website, I, I, I didn't know you, that y'all had those grow kits and I looked in, I mean, you've got two, you've got a DIY, DIY grow kit, the one for microgreens. And so that's such a cool pivot. I mean, you can take something that a customer just comments on. You're like, Hey, it'd be cool if we could grow these. You're like, Oh, Hey, all right. Another product idea. I mean, that's such a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So we have two different grow kits. Essentially the DIY grow kit is, is our entry level kit, if you will. Um, it's a grow and harvest one. So it's once and done. Um, and it's, uh, it's priced at $7 and we can ship these anywhere across the country. Um, the microgreen grow kit, actually, um, you get a reusable planter. Okay. So that can later be used to grow more microgreens and, or, uh, use for like little succulents or little herbs at the house, you know, whatever you want to grow in the pot. Um, and with that kit, you do get two soil pucks, two seed packs. So you can actually grow and harvest that twice and they grow incredibly fast. I mean, the salad mix seed that we, we include in there, 10 days seed to harvest and you're ready to eat. You know, um, really, really great little, little product. Um, and, uh, it's been doing well for us. So, well, that's good to hear. And so what's, um, what's the demand like? I mean, I know you guys are gaining in popularity and so you're having to meet uh, all the, those orders and stuff. And so can you, is it pretty easy to meet your demand? Because I'm assuming like microgreens can grow pretty quickly. So is the demand kind of easy to meet or not easy, but is it kind of manageable to meet? Yeah, so far it's been good. Um, there are, you know, farmers markets right now are our big retail days. Um, so there are challenges with the Florida weather when we get rained out on our farmers markets. You know, it's it's kind of tough to move the product. Um, but right now we are catering not just to home. You know, we do have a few home delivery customers, so we deliver straight to their home. Um, our restaurants now that they're opening back up. Um, pretty much everybody has been increasing their orders and we're gaining new accounts every week. Um, we also have a couple, uh, com larger commercial accounts, if you will. Um, we've actually gotten a little bit creative and, and targeted some nursing homes and, um, the nursing homes are really enjoying, uh, our product. Um, it helps their, their residents with, you know, help to lower bad cholesterol, um, helps improve cardiovascular health. Um, and they've been really, uh, jumping on board here and, and, uh, really enjoying our products. So we typically, and we also typically grow to order. So we're not growing excess product. We grow whatever is pretty much ordered for the week. And then we just grow a little bit extra just so that we have enough to take to market, if that makes sense. Um, so right now we're almost at capacity in the room, right? Yeah. So essentially to give you some perspective on how kind of COVID has affected our business from when we started to where we are now. Um, so when we first got started, the farmer's markets were, were a much more, uh, much bit bigger for us. You know, we put a lot of emphasis on the markets and we would come back home, uh, nearly empty handed. Um, where, and at the same time, we, it was kind of a challenge to land the amount of restaurant accounts we have now, just because again, at that time, restaurants weren't really doing the business they typically were, um, and they didn't really have the, the income to add on a, a product kind of like microgreens, which essentially is a garnish or, you know, it, it, uh, you know, a value add thing. Um, and so when we first started, the markets were, were very big for us. Um, that's really what got the local community to kind of recognize who we were. Some of the local chefs would come out to the farmer's markets and then got to meet us there. And as kind of things started to, uh, as time went on and then COVID and, and, you know, the mask policies kind of got lifted here in Florida, um, we really saw an increase in our restaurant accounts and also some of the accounts that we've been working with early on started increasing their weekly orders. 
Um, and so again, we started with one rack, and uh, from there we went up to, to two racks. And for doing the markets and doing the few restaurants that we were working with, that was fine. Um, and then we decided to go up to four racks. And pretty much over the past four to six months, we've been just about getting to capacity in terms of what we can fit in that room um, and have ready for, for the amount of restaurants we have now. Um, so that kind of gives you a little perspective of how what we were experiencing when we started. Um, but now, essentially, we are our, our goal is to get to the point where we're, all of our product is, is you know, sold, sold and accounted before we even plant it. And, and we're not even quite needing to rely on farmers markets. Um, however, we probably always will try to do at least one market because it's just such a great way to connect with the community, uh, connect with local restaurants. Um, I mean, you'd be surprised if people who show up at markets and the kind of relationships we're able to make there. So, so any other migrant farmer, farmer in general, go to as many farmers markets as you can because they, they do pan out in the long run. Uh, but yeah. No, I bet they do pan out. I mean, it seems like, especially now with COVID, more and more people are going to farmers markets because, I mean, you can support locally. And of course, I mean, most of them are outside. So it seems like a win-win. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now more than ever, too, people really do care about where their food is being grown. Um, how it's know, being grown. How it's mm. being grown. They want to make sure it's a clean product. Um, if they can buy it locally, they, they, they're willing to spend the money on it. Um, you know, and again, COVID somewhat helped with that, you know, I mean, people saw how, how scarcely, you know, fresh produce became in the, in the grocery stores and how important it is to support these local farmers who are producing these local produce. Um, and I mean, um, again, that was a big reason why, why I decided, why we just started, decided to start Legacy Greens is because like, man, you know, I would go to the grocery store during the midst of the peak of COVID and you can buy a fresh head of lettuce. You can buy a fresh pack of salad greens. Um, everything was on the shelf was, you know, either gone or, or wilted and rotten and nothing fresh was coming in. Um, and so I saw, uh, uh, you know, an opportunity and, and a need for, for, you know, another local producer, you know, here in the Tallahassee area. Um, but yeah, yeah, markets have definitely been great for us. Um, but again, you know, part of, we try to be as, as little waste as we can so we can have everything sold before we can grow it. That, that is the, the perfect world for us. No, I can imagine. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, that's how, I mean, I learned about you guys. I've heard a lot of people have learned about you guys at Farmer's Market, so that's good to hear. So in addition to microgreens, I saw that you guys also grow stuff like wheatgrass. Is that right? We do do wheatgrass, yes. We do grow wheatgrass. We have uh, a few customers who are buying that on a weekly basis. Um, you know, for whatever reason, wheatgrass has actually been kind of trickier for us to land a larger account. Um, you know, there are a few juicers in town, um, but for, for whatever reason, they, you know, we haven't necessarily been able to, to land any good accounts with the wheatgrass. Um, you know, we grow maybe a, one, about one tray a week of it, and it's to a few of our uh, market customers who kind of show up every week and want it. Um, but, but yeah, you know, we wish, we wish it was more popular and, and we knew what we were doing wrong or what we need to do to, to get into some restaurants or some larger accounts. But um, but, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where we are on wheatgrass. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, I think if we get, um, if we get to a point where, where, we'll, where we are able to juice it and, and, and take it to, for example, the farmer's market so that people can sample the juice, um, it would probably be a little more effective right now. We just don't have that capacity. So, um, it's something that we're working on and something that we would like to, to work on in the future. But, um. Still not quite there yet. Gotcha. So it's on the radar. There you go. So yep. what's you guys' whole inspection process like? I mean, are y'all inspected by the USDA every now and then? What's that whole thing like? Because I know that's a, a huge part about being a farmer, even a grower. Yeah. So we've actually, we've had the, um, we've had FDACs come out to the house. We do have our, uh, we did take our produce safety course um, and we had them do the, the free, um, farm visit, if you will. I can't remember the exact name. They have so many names for these things, but they essentially, they come out, they visit, you know, they visited our home. They took a look at everything. They said, Hey, you know, you need to have record of this cleaning of this sanitize sanitization of this, you know, you need this, recording that. Correct. Um, and they do. So that's who pretty much governs us is, uh, the Florida department of ag. And, um, but you know, and, and 
to that point, we have done our best to to you know make sure we're we're compliant in, in every single aspect as we can. But you know, surprising or not, it was almost more difficult here in Florida to figure out what the rules and what the regulations are mm-hmm. than actually following them. I mean, it's you know for in Florida, um, you know, just it's not very difficult to start a farm and start selling produce. There's not really a lot of hoops you got to jump through. Um, until you start making X amount of capital uh, revenue per year, um, that's kind of how Florida looks at it. Once you're, I think it's two hundred fifty thousand a year in revenue. Um, at that point, that's when you're actually required to have regular inspections um, by the Florida Department of Ag. Um, but before then, um, all you know, all they really require is to have your food, uh, your your produce safety uh, certificate. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, so that's, that's kind of one of the unique things that we've discovered once we started this business is, um, you know, really at, at the point that we're at, there's really not a lot of regulation, but obviously we want to make sure we're putting out a clean and safe product for everybody. Um, so we did our, our best to, to dive into whatever rules and whatever policies we needed to follow in order to meet those standards. So, um, so it was kind of an interesting undertaking that was uh, when we first started this, but uh, but yeah, yeah, I can imagine kind of hitting the ground running there. And so, I mean, since y'all are growing in in grow rooms, you know, inside, what's is there any like kind of a pest or disease problem you guys face at all? Uh, no, no we've never dealt with the pest again. Knock on wood. Um, you know, I've sealed off that uh, that grow room pretty pretty well. I mean, we do have you know our our eight, we have an, an AC an additional AC in the grow room. We have a dehumidifier in the grow room. Um, you know, we do plant our trays outside, but once they're planted, they go straight inside to germinate. Um, so, you know, that, you know, that, and that's one of the beauties about indoor agriculture is one of the reasons why I, I love it is because I can produce a product without spraying any pesticides, any herbicides. I mean, I don't even have to use nutrients or fertilizer because of the microgreens. They're just, they grow so quickly that we don't need to use it. Um, and then on top of that, we, you know, we make sure we buy, you know, high quality inputs um so the soil we use is pro mix organics um they're a very reputable brand they produce very good and consistent products um and uh i mean even the soil we store it inside we don't even store that outside um and again a lot of my experience working in an indoor cannabis facility prepared me for what to expect and what to do whenever we did encounter an issue um so I'm very much, you know, kind of prepared for, for the worst, if you will. But, you know, fortunately, we've, we've never had to deal with uh, any pests. Um, as far as uh, fungus or mold, um, you know, the main thing for that is, is good airflow in your grow room. Um, and again, I, I've always just part of my growing background and my growing kind of rule of thumb. Air, airflow has always been something important to me. And so, um Again, we haven't, you know, we've had a few soggy trays that we, you know, we just ended up not harvesting. Um, but as soon as that happened, I bought a second, another fan and that those problems kind of went away. Um, so, yeah, fortunately, we have not really dealt with too many issues, um, but we are getting ready to expand a little bit. And, um, you know, whenever expansion time comes around, that's always usually the a critical time for pests and for kind of corners to get cut and, and things like that. And so um, my focus is to, to make sure we minimize those, those risks and expand on a, in a smooth, in a smooth and, a, and a effective way. So. so it sounds like no offense that it's all pest and Daniel proof. So that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. My wife and I work out of the same way. Like I'm kind of the plant guru and she has, uh, what does she have? She has succulents and they're, they're in decent shape, but I, I, I kind of water them more than she does. So, uh, and, and I found that that's probably the, the, the truth in most relationships. I mean, you've got one person that's going to be um, kind of the plant nerd and another person that's not like even my sister, for example, she is always killing her plants and so I'm always trying <laughs> to help her. So that's funny that one of you is a plant expert, the other one, not so much, but that's okay. No, I mean, again, it's, I cannot, you know, even with my plant knowledge, again, I don't even, I barely call my parents on a regular basis, let alone do sales calls or chat to people with people on Instagram. I mean, again, I, that is not me, but <laughs> you know, I'm very minimal when it comes to social media and, and, uh, and I, and I don't really, I've never really been much of a salesperson, even though I've done sales jobs. 
um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of more of a doer and, you know, I, I'm very, I love production. Um, and I, I kind of got that from my background and truly, but I love just the process of thinking about things from start to finish and all the little steps in between that could or possibly might go wrong or go right and, uh, and how to get from point A to point B most effectively. Um, and whereas Daniel is <laughs> talk your ear off. Um, we can talk to, he can talk to a wall if you let him. <laughs> I think I've had five minutes on this interview. I've had my mouth shut. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a, a, a good balance between what we both bring to the table and, and, um, yeah, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. It's been exciting. Well, that's good to hear. And yeah, I mean, Daniel, I, I feel like being the seller is probably one of the more, I mean, stressful jobs. I mean, of course, growing things is going to be stressful. But I mean, if you don't sell properly, if you don't meet those customers and like try to tell them how your products are going to meet their needs, I mean, if you don't do that, you're kind of SOL. Right, right. And one of the things, you know, one of the challenging things, too, is like, you know, we live in a world of, yeah, I want it now. And trying to and Jordan obviously needs time to grow these greens, right? Like we're not, you know, we, we don't have you know, we acres, we don't have, yeah, we don't hold inventory. We don't have acres of land. I mean, we're a tiny little farm, you know, so when, a, when, when we, sometimes when you tell a chef, Hey, you know, it's going to be two weeks to get your first order. Um, and, but we're actually physically growing specifically for you. Um, it is a, a challenge and then B um, it's actually, you know, they're like, Holy cow. So you guys are actually going to grow whatever it is that I want. Um, and it's going to be harvested fresh. So that's like the big selling point there, you know, when, when, when you tell them, listen, it's going to take us some time to get there, but we're going to be growing these just for you. Um, you know, all you got to do is text me and tell me what do you want to change and we can do that. Um, but it's just, it's, you know, it's a back and forth between ourselves, the chefs um, or our customer. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge because of, you know, just the world that we live, you know, we want it now, 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 and um, you know, plants aren't, always there right now you know they need time to grow and so it's it is it is interesting and then too you know i've been trying to get these chefs to think of microgreens not just as a garnish you know yeah they mm. look pretty um on the plate um but i mean their nutritional value and everybody's wanting to eat healthier you know and and and, and come up with you know fresh salads with microgreens and blend you know use them in pestos because they have such strong and potent flavors um you know, summer wraps, just all sorts of different things instead of just, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to put a couple leaves on a plate, you know? So that has been a challenge and I'm not a chef, right? So I've been um, trying to work with local local chefs to come up with these ideas. But again, too, you know, chefs are busy. So it's it's a bit of a challenge, not going to lie. It's not, uh, it's not like you're selling a product that's, that's going to fix something, you know? Um, it's, it's, you know, you're selling food and you're, you're, you're selling, um, health and wellness. So it's, it's been interesting, definitely been interesting. Oh, no, I can imagine. And yeah, I mean, that's such a good point. I feel like most people like home chefs or professional chefs kind of treat microgreens as a garnish. But I, th I feel like as more and more people get to be like, I guess, normalized by microgreens, and they see them as like more accessible, hopefully mm -hmm. that'll change. And they can see that there's a lot more you can do um, than just like adding it on top of something. Right, right. Yeah, what we say is, is kind of microgreens are kind of going through what kale experienced. Correct. Oh, that's um, true. Yeah, I like right. that. You know, chefs used to just slap a, a steak on a piece of kale because it looked nice. Um, and then once all the health benefits of it came out and people started eating it, um, it just blew up. And everybody eats kale. Kale's in everything now. Um, and so we kind of feel, and actually Daniel, this is Daniel's uh, saying, but... Uh, uh, but we kind of feel that the microgreens are going through the same kind of experience right now where um, the popularity is starting to increase because chefs are using them more on their plates. And there's a lot of health uh, information coming out about microgreens. So um, we feel that we're getting into the industry at a pretty unique time, um, at a pretty critical time. Mm -hmm. So we get ourselves established so that when the, you know microgreens become the new kale, you know, we're here and we're ready to, to party. Yeah. And, and, and more and more people, you know, just at markets and, and customers that I talk to, they're like, holy cow, I just read an article about microgreens, you know, and that's just, you know, and that's, that's, that's when I know that whoever's doing research out there, thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, that's when I know that, that those things are working and they're putting out the, the publications and people are reading them. 
um, because more and more people, every time I go out to a market, oh, I read about this. Oh, I saw this here. I saw this there. You know, um, I saw your Facebook post. You know, I'm, I've been doing a lot of informative breakdowns of the different varieties that we grow. Um, one of my la one of my latest posts was of our sunflower, right? So you got you know protein, amino acids, um, all the trace minerals that you can find in the sunflower. And then I, I, I'll pull up the nutritional facts from the USDA and then I'll put that down in the caption, you know, so it's just it's a big educational piece. Um, it's a big educational piece that is is going to be going for a long time. You know, people see these and they're like, oh, <laughs> but one chef was like, you got the prettiest weeds in town. I'm like, yeah, they are pretty, <laughs> but they're really good for you, too. You know, Oh, that, um, that that's annoying. But that's also funny that they said that. Yeah. 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 You know, um, but uh, but no, I mean, it, it's always, you know, it's always fun. And, and you know, whenever you t whenever we get into the conversation of Jordan, you see, use, uh, used to work at True Leave. It's always like, oh, you guys got the real good stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and yeah. that's a good point with the kale, because, I mean, at first it was just garnish. And then I feel like you yep. couldn't get a protein shake or anything or a smoothie without kale in it for the longest time. And right. then people started doing salads and it kind of diversified. So that's true. Kind of the same things happened with microgreens. So yep. I guess maybe yeah. the next spot are smoothies with them, maybe. So, yeah, the sunflower is actually phenomenal in smoothies. Huh. Um, sunflower and broccoli are one of our favorite two microgreens to put into smoothies. Okay. Um, and one of the nice things about it is actually it, it, it doesn't really overpower the smoothie, turning it into like a green smoothie that you probably are thinking of. Um, the flavors are very subtle. Um, and they don't, you know, it's not, uh, it's not too overpowering, which is nice. Um, and it's, you know, plant-based protein, you know, you know exactly where these, you know, this protein's coming from. It's not a mystery jar of whey protein with, all, you know, ingredients that you can't pronounce. Mm. It's just sunflower. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. You can't really beat that. That's not bad. Plus, I mean, if you're here in Tallahassee or somewhere, it's locally. So that's yep. always a good thing. So yep. What's the future going to look like for you guys? I mean, are, are you all going to expand? Or are you going to try to do, I don't know, maybe two grow rooms, grow, grow some different microgreens, get a bigger market? So what's the future looking like? Uh, so when is this going to be published? <laughs> uh, probably next week. <laughs> no, I mean, yes. I mean, short story, yes. We, we are. We are. The reason we're so exhausted right now is because we are. We have been working to, to expand. Um, we do have a, a plan in place. Um, essentially, we we are, are going to be expanding to a, a, a container farm, if you will. Um, we are custom custom building and designing our own 40 foot container, um, which will be located in a warehouse uh, facility um, to essentially double our microgreen production. Um, you know, we've also added on the, the edible flowers. Um, and I mean, again, when like I said earlier in this interview, you know, we want to grow. You know, we want to be farmers. We want to grow food. And microgreens is really just the starting point for us. So we do have plans and hopes of expanding and, and graduating into more leafy greens, more herbs, heads of lettuce. Um, you know, we've got we're 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 over here playing chess as, as best we can, and, and uh, you know, it's a it's a slow and long process. And, and me myself, personally, as a grower, I like to take things slow and make things make sure I have everything under control before moving on to the next step. And so this past year has been getting the microgreens under control. Um, but yes, we do have plans to expand. Um, we have been working on some, some larger, uh, some larger accounts that we're very excited about and, um, we just need the space to, to, to facilitate those accounts. So, mm -hmm. so that's what we're working on. Um, and we can't wait. We absolutely can't wait. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I I'm excited about the container farms cause I think those are super, super cool. I mean, I feel like shipping containers have gotten popular with farmers as even like homeowners that have been making houses out of them. And so yeah, I follow yeah. a couple of uh, accounts on Instagram that there are um, container farms. So I think that's super cool. I'm excited to see you guys do that. Yep. Yeah, no, we're, we're super excited about it too. And I mean, just, it just makes so much sense for us as a business and as a small farm. I mean, just for the affordability of buying a 40 foot shipping container is actually not a whole lot of money right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's, we can park the thing wherever we want to even, you know, even when our warehouse leads comes up and we got to move, all we got to do is put it on the truck and move it to where we got to go. And we're still in production. 
Um, you know, and, and the beautiful thing is I can even hook up my backup generator to this thing and still be fully operational even without power. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, so those are, are, are a lot of key aspects for us that are, are very appealing. Um, and it's just cool. You know, again, we can stack them. We can build a building out, out of our farms, yeah. um, which is a, a, another cool concept that we've been thinking about. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're very excited to, to be working on this project and, uh, it's slowly but surely coming together. And, and again, it's just been a, a super exciting time for us right now. And, um, Lots of new things coming down the pipeline for, for next year, for sure. And, uh, yeah, we hope everyone stays tuned and, and follows us along the journey. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I feel like container farms are super duper module, modular, like you said. I mean, you can get one, you can get 20, and you can just set them up however you might want them. So that's really yeah. handy. Yeah. We are excited. Oh, no, I can imagine. That's awesome. So if people want to follow you guys, if they want to learn more, where can they go to kind of see your content and kind of where you're, especially if they want to buy some stuff at a farmer's market, where can they go to find out where? Absolutely. So our Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter is all at Legacy Greens, the number three. And that number three is actually because there's a third brother. However, he does live in Salt Lake City, but that is the reason for the legacy greens three um we wanted to make sure that we included him because he's the middle brother oh there you Um, go (laughs) don't want to leave him out but yeah our website um is also legacygreens3.com um you can find on our website a farmer's market tab which has a google calendar with all the markets and events pop-up events and all sorts of good stuff that we do around tallahassee um on Saturdays, every Saturday religiously, you will find us at the Frenchtown Farmer's Market, which is right down the street from FSU. It's on 524 North MLK Boulevard, and that's from 10 to 2 p.m. That is our staple farmer's market here in Tallahassee. Okay. We'll also, on, our, on our website, we have a, an order form uh, where anyone can go on and, and request an order. Uh, we offer free delivery inside of Capital Circle, Tallahassee. Um, you know, we do offer bulk sizes up to pound bags as well as, you know, even a small, we'll deliver a $5 container if it's within Capital Circle for free. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The next time I see you guys, definitely gonna have to get some more microgreens. Um, yeah. Well, Daniel Jordan, this has been super fun chatting with you guys. Uh, best of luck in all you're doing. I can't wait to see what you guys do with the container farms and all the more microgreens you're going to grow. Uh, I think what you guys are doing is great. And I mean, continue to do it and continue to kind of change what the typical consumer and even the um, typical chef know about microgreens. So keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thank you so much, Trevor. We appreciate the interview. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.